This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. We're continuing an inspiring series of interviews today in the lead up to International Women's Day. You're about to meet a woman who holds eight Guinness World Records. She's climbed Mount Everest. She's been to the North and South Poles. She is the queen of the Iron Man, and she does it all for one reason, to help those who are desperately in need. Special guest Maria Concezau joins me next to tell her astonishing story right here on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. It doesn't matter how big your goal is, how high your mountain is, it is only achieved one step at a time. These are the words of my guest today, the one and only Maria Concesau. She's an eight-time Guinness World Record holder, a social entrepreneur, an endurance athlete, and she also became the first Portuguese woman to successfully summit Everest and complete expeditions to the last degree of the North and South Poles. Uh, Welcome to the show, Maria. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) You know, it's, it's difficult to kind of introduce you because you have done so much. You're incredible. A lot of people call themselves motivational speakers, but actually I feel like (laughs) they pale in comparison to someone like you who has done so much and yet still wants to keep going. You're going to have to take us back to the beginning of your journey. Where did all of this start wanting to become this, you know, ultra athlete who you know, every time you complete one incredible challenge, you have another one straight after and another one and another one, and you're not stopping. So tell us more about you and where all of this started. <laughs> so I'm Maria from Portugal. Uh, I, I came to UAE to work as a flight attendant for Emirates Airlines, mm-hmm. and I was as well a VIP flight attendant for Sheikh Mohammed and the royal family. And then one day, Emirates Airlines asked me to do a 24-hour layover in Bangladesh, one of the poorest countries in the world. And on my way back, I just thought I wanted to help these children. And what did you see? that? Because that really was the turning point. When you went to Bangladesh, you went to Dhaka, and you saw what conditions were like there. Um, it's interesting because on this show, we've talked about Bangladesh before, the garment factory crisis that happened and the need for change in that country, particularly when it comes to things like sustainable fashion. But when you got there, describe to me what you saw that really just you stopped and you thought, I have to do something. A lot of people, they only see the poverty and the bad side of Bangladesh. But all I saw was so much potential going down to waste. Wow. And all I wanted to do is was to bring it out, these, help these children to achieve their potential. So I started a project to make that happen. And what was it? What was the project that you started? It was all about education for you because you're somebody who, it's interesting because you yourself growing up, education wasn't really there for you either. Uh, unfortunately, when I was 12, my family had no means to educate me. So I could not go to school from the age of 12 to 18. And so I always worked in hospitality. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I was in Switzerland, in England, and Italy. So I learned languages, and I, I was a fantastic in customer service, so Emirates recruited me. So when I met these children, I thought the only way for them to overcome poverty was by having an education. That was the only way. And what was it? Did you think, I'm going to build a school? What did you think you were going to do? It didn't start that way. I initially, I, you know, these children, they live in the slums. And there are a lot of prejudice that children, the caste system is huge. So I tried to put them in local schools, but the local schools, they didn't want them because of the prejudice they were, and the caste. So I, they told me, you know, they, they have nothing in their heads. They, you know, there is no potential. They have, you know, they cannot do anything in their life. So I got really upset and I just thought, I'm going to open my own school. And I just thought, oh my goodness, for me, that didn't matter. I just thought when I was 12, you know, I went to school from 6 to 12. So there was a building, there was chairs, there were tables. There was, so I'm going to do that. And then I came here to UAE and I just thought, oh my God, how do we recruit a teacher? How do we run a school? So I asked people here in UAE to help me how to manage a school from A to Z. And I had professional experts that they came to Dhaka and they taught me how to recruit teachers, and how to run a school from A to Z. Fast forward 14 years later, I have students going to university in USA, Australia, UAE, and Portugal. That's incredible. Mm. That's unbelievable. How many students do you have that uh, you have? Because this is the thing. You're not just educating kids in one uh, part of their life, one phase of their life. You're following these kids almost from birth (laughs) into (laughs) education, educating them for their entire lives. Yes. So for me, it starts when they join the foundation and my commitment to them, to the children and to their families, is to secure their future, mm. either up to grade 12, either up to university, or we help them as well to get into employment. So normally I train them and I, I even bring them here to UAE and I find them good job in uh, opportunities. Some of our parents of the children as well, I don't just take care of the children, but I take care of the parents. I teach them how to read and write first in their language, then in English, then I bring them to UAE. They stay in my house for one month boot camp. And then, <laughs> because you know, I, I bring them from the slums. They've mm-hmm. never been, they don't know how to use a wash machine, uh, uh, how to use a cooking. So I train them for one month and then I put them in front of HR. Wow. And HR has no idea where they came from. And never. It's a complete transformation. This is incredible. So they're going out there. They're now able to get a job. They're educated. It is just that that changes lives. In I mean, I want you to tell me how that's changed some of those people's lives. It changes their lives, their families' lives, and their future generations. Yeah. Give we, me an example of, of we, some of these. One of, uh, one of the amazing cases we have, we have Mr. Alal. He's nearly 50 years old. He, got a jo- uh, he learned how to speak English. And we managed to get him a job with Emirates Airlines. Mm. During one year, he saved, he gets a lot of tips. So his salary is to survive here in UAE. And he sends back home money for the education of his children. And then he saved his tips. And he went to Bangladesh. And he went back to his village. And he ended up opening a school with 90 children. That's incredible. Not only was his life transformed, 
but he was then able to influence the lives of so many others in his own community because that that's what happens, isn't it? And we have some of our children that they are doing at university now in Europe and they do a lot of volunteer work. They either go to whole people's homes or homelesses. So, and we have even one of our students, she, she's dreaming to become the future prime minister of Bangladesh. So she does a lot of charity work. She was here in UAE. She did a lot of charity work as well. That's amazing. I want to come back in just a moment, Maria, and ask you about how sport came into all of this. <laughs> you did not grow up as somebody who's sporty, who was doing this kind of thing all of the time. But now you're better than most people on the planet. We're going to come back in just a moment on Life Beats with Maria Consasau and her incredible story. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Wow, just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal human being with us here in the studio today. Maria Consasau uh, overcame not just the odds, but every possible odds and is still doing it to this very day uh, because she wants to be somebody who helps children to get educated. She's got uh, an incredible backstory. Um, but you are somebody, Maria, who became not just an athlete, but an ultra athlete after not being into sports at all yourself in your life. Tell me how that started. <laughs> whole started because I was uh, researching on the internet what was the quickest and most efficient way to raise awareness and raise funds. And I came up with an article from a team of England that they were going to go to the North Pole. They had raised up to that point at, uh, one million pounds and they were hoping by reaching the North Pole, they were going to raise two million pounds. Sally, when I saw that article, I just thought, oh, my God, if the only thing I have to do to raise awareness and this amount of money is to go to the North Pole, I'm going to get there. I have no idea where it is. I have no idea what entitles but I'm going to get there. So I signed up for the first expedition available, and it was in four months' time. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> and, and it was in four months' time. And before that, uh, had you done much training yourself, day-to-day, sports training, I've running? Ne- I never had done sports in my life, unless you consider going from the cabin, I mean, from the galley to the cabin, serving tea and coffee, uh, exercise, sports, yeah. as exercise. But uh, I just thought... What do I have to do? This is the goal. I want to reach the North Pole. What do I have to do to get there? I have to find a coach. I found a coach and I asked him, Ismael, did you watch Kung Fu Panda? Me Kung Fu Panda. My goal is to get to the North Pole in four months' time. And That's what you said to him. <laughs> that, is, that is phenomenal. That's unbelievable. He, okay. thought, he thought I was crazy, but we trained really hard. Four months later, I became the first and only Portuguese woman to get to the North Pole. You got there. <laughs> and I got there. But, uh, I mean, so who, uh, tell me about what kind of a, how did you train? What kind of training did you need if you were within four months going from zero to d- trekking to the North Pole? How, what did you need to do in that time? I always leave that to, to my coach. I tell them, this is the goal. This is the date. I have to achieve. This is the goal. This is the date. Create a training program that I'm going to do it. And daily I will meet those requirements. What did they give you? What did you have to do? You know, uh, I had to simulate what I was going to do in the North Pole. So I had to pull, you have to pull your own sled and your own food with 35 kilos. So I started simulating and walking. So today I'm going to walk half an hour around the 
on the roads and I'm gonna pull a tire. Okay, you I cannot do half an hour. I only did 15 minutes because, you know, I'm not used to this. Today was 15 minutes. Tomorrow is going to be 20. Next day is going to be 30. Next day is going to be 45. And every day I will increase. Mm. That's unbelievable. I mean, did your coach think that you were really going to make it and go <laughs> to the North Pole? If he didn't, he never told me. However, I have another story. When I started into marathon running... Someone challenged me to do seven marathons in seven days in seven continents. And I went to Nike and they told me it was absolutely amazing. And they told me, we're going to train you to become a marathon runner. And three weeks later, they dropped me. Sally, I was so bad in running. I could not even run across the road to save my own life. So I used to register for race uh, for events on a weekend. And. I met the target of reaching the finish line, but sometimes people, they were uh, to organizers, they already had gone home. So I made my goal. I, I was really happy. I, I met my goal. My goal today was to do 5K. Next week, I'm gonna man. Uh, my goal was gonna be reach the finish line before everyone goes home. Uh, goal completed. Following week or following month uh, weeks, my goal was I'm not gonna be the last one anymore. I'm gonna be the second last. And then third last, and then fourth last. One year later, not only I, I started to win races on my age category, I broke Guinness World Records as well. But every everything done <laughs> day by day. It's just unbelievable. And I remember at the where, where did you get this kind of belief, no matter what, that you were still going to do it? I remember one night told me, Maria, we, you cannot be a, mother, a marathon runner. I just thought that was not my limitations. That was their limitations. Is that coach or that person that cannot transform you into a marathon runner? I, can, I have the capacity and the ability to do it. So I just believe myself. Even when the bad moments, the bad training days, I always believe myself. Mm. No matter what. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. And then after that, you did marathons and then... It just keeps going and going and going. And then I read on Google, you really have to be careful when you, you read Google. <laughs> Google told me if I climbed Everest, I was going to, the first Jordanian who climbed Everest raised $2 million. Sally, wouldn't you climb Everest to raise $2 million? That's what you wanted to do. It's for your education <laughs> foundation. So I just thought, my goodness, to raise $2 million. And I cannot believe it. In my country, only two Portuguese men up to that point had climbed Everest. So I thought I'm gonna become the first Portuguese woman to climb Everest. And again, what did I do? I'm not a climber, but you know, when we were born or these experts or the world-class climbers, they were not climbers when they were born. So they trained to become one. So I contacted many climbers around, experts around the world and I asked them to train me. And many didn't believe that I could because I had no background on climbing. But I kept searching and I found a gentleman with five, 35 years of experience in climbing and I asked him to transform me into a climber. And he told me, uh, I need two years to transform you into a Everest climber. And I told him, Satya, in a third world country, I don't have three, uh, I don't have two years. This has to be done within one year. I have to do the work of two years into one year. And we started the project, I started training ups and downs, uh, but I never stopped believing I could. One year later, I've made it to the top of Everest and I came back down with all my fingers, toes, nose intact. <laughs> you cannot 
uh, you have to believe in yourself. If your family, your friends, your surroundings, they don't believe in yourself, find inspiration on Google. There is so much inspiration. Or find inspiration in Maria, I would say. <laughs> um, this is an incredible story. We're going to come back in just a moment. I'm, I'm going to ask you about uh, how you continue to just keep breaking world records like this. What keeps you going? And the inspiration behind the Maria Christina Foundation oh, as well. It's an incredible story. That's next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We're following the story of Maria Concesau. It's just you, you have to tune in. You have to listen to this because this is a woman who is sitting opposite right, mean, right now who is proof that nothing, 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 nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. This is incredible. Um, Maria, uh, eight-time world Guinness Book record holder as well. Um, j- just unbelievable in, in marathons in uh, triathlons, um, summiting Everest, uh, being the first Portuguese woman to do it. There are so many different things that you've done. We just don't have time to to, to say them all, really. Um, Did you ever think, uh, was there a point where you thought, I'm going to give up, I can't do this? (laughs) Sally, like everyone else in the world, I have bad days, I have bad moments, but this is how you handle them. You know, there is times that you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then you only have two options. You know, either you, if you stop believing and you quit, things that don't happen, your goals, your dreams, they don't happen not because it's not possible. They do not happen because at a certain point you stop believing that Mm. it was possible. So on those moments, I think, okay, today I'm having a very bad day. It's likely that tomorrow is going to be even worse. And maybe the next week or next month is going to be awful. But I never stop believing that the better days, they will come. And I'm going to get there eventually. That was just always front and center for you. Absolutely. And so tell me about, you know, when you, okay, so you've done the marathons. You kept setting those small goals. That was the, the vital thing for you that you just kept trying to better yourself every single time. When I did, the, I attempted the world record in Ironmans. I started my training after injury. I was uh, out of uh, sports for a while because I had an injury. I started on the 26th of December. And if I wanted to break the world record, I had three, uh, four months to train for the world record, the Ironmans world record. Guess what was my training day one? Do 1K. It could be walking, jogging, or running. But I had to do 1K that day. Second day, day off. Third day, 2K. I could run, walk, or jog. But I had to do 2K. Completed. Third day, day off. (laughs) Fourth day, do 3K. Walk, jog, or run. Doesn't matter. Every single day, you were just upping it. Four months later, I started the world record. And 56 days later, I became the first human in history, who completed six Ironmans in six continents in 56 days. It's just, I'm speechless. There are just really no words for this. And you, mm. it's laser sharp focus that got you there. That is just a vital thing. And your your belief in this in this mission to help these kids as well, 
which is just central to who you are. But tell me about your personal story because um, this is really where it all comes from and, and how you created the Maria Christina Foundation. So everything started when I was two years old. I, uh, my mom was single and unemployed and she was struggling severely. And this is when she met a, a poor refugee woman, uh, a completely stranger. Her name was Cristina. She lived in a tiny little village in Portugal. She was a widow, a refugee. She had six kids of her own and she worked as a cleaner. But not like as a cleaner like now, you have a full-time job. She was freelancing, so she never knew where the jobs was coming from. Mm. But when she met my mom and she saw her struggling, she didn't hesitate to offer help. So basically she told my mom, go to Lisbon, find a job, and until then I will take care of Maria. So my mom went to Lisbon and Christina didn't know at the time that my mom had a mental illness and she was never gonna come back. So I became the seventh child of Christina. And Christina motto was, who feeds six, feeds seven. Unfortunately, uh, seven years later, she had a heart attack. She, uh, and before she passed away, she asked my sisters to keep the, taking care of me until my mom came back. At the age of 12, I stopped going to school and I stayed at home from age 12 until 18, taking care of my nephews and nieces. So my sisters, they could go work. At age of 18, I decided to leave Portugal, searching better opportunities. And uh, when you're a foreigner in a third world, uh, when you're a foreigner in a new country or immigrant, uh, the only and you don't have an education like I didn't have, uh, the only jobs available is being a cleaner. And so I just thought if the only thing I'm going to do in my life, Sally, was going to be a cleaner, I was not just going to be a cleaner. I was going to be Ronaldo of the cleaning world. So always did cleaning. And then I had the opportunity to go to Switzerland and then England. And then one day I won the lottery, or at least it felt that way when Emirates Airline, uh, when I got recruited to work as a cabin crew to come to UAE, this extraordinary country. And this is my story. I couldn't believe I was recruited to working as a flight attendant, to travel to, to live in UAE, travel to all these amazing uh, destinations, Mauritius, Seychelles, uh, Milan. It was and, amazing and for so one year and a half. So you decided to dedicate the, the, the foundation to her as well. And then when I started to do my work in the slums of Bangladesh, I just thought, you know, I would not be where I am today if it was not for the good deed of Christina. So I, I wanted to uh, pay tribute to her. So the name of the, pro the foundation is in her memory, Maria Christina Foundation. It's extraordinary because that's what it takes. It takes one person to believe in you. She believed in you. She took you under her wing. And that's what you're doing. It's the, the ripple effect is magnificent. It's incredible. Um, and you are just going and going and going. What's important for you right now is raising the funds uh, to keep uh, educating these kids as well. So you just kept going. Triathlons. Uh, and then you, you got to take us through. And then try to... You tried to, to swim the English Channel as well. <laughs> I, uh, in 2016, the media here in UAE told me, can you do a new sport that is not trekking, climbing or running? So I went back to my friend Google and I asked, you know, what is it? There, uh, there is a challenge that is not running, uh, climbing. So Google said, 
if you swam across the English Channel, in a swimming world that is considered like climbing Everest. So I just thought, if this is what I have to do, I will swim across the English Channel. I registered to swim the English Channel in, in one year time. I booked myself the pilot, I did my medical test, and then I started learning how to swim. I did not know how to swim when I applied to swim across the English Channel. You were how old at this point? 38 years old. And you decided, I'm going to learn how to swim and swim the, the English, English Channel, Channel at the same time. So I had two swimming coaches that told me, it's imp- absolutely impossible to teach you how to swim because your feet, they have a funny shape and you walk... Uh, uh, with, with feet sticking out like a penguin. Yes. <laughs> so you will never swim. So again, I just thought, okay, it's nothing to do with me. This English coach cannot teach me. The Spanish coach cannot teach me. Maybe I thought it was a language barrier. That's why I could not understand. Uh, selected a swimming instructor that was from Spain. Again, he told me, Maria, it's just impossible to teach you how to swim. And then I found an amazing swimming instructor here in EOE, Kevin Millerick, that he took the time and the patience to teach me how to swim. However, it was uh, harder for him than it was for him me. Because every day that he was teaching me how to swim, it was for him like swimming Tingle Channel himself. It was so tough for me to learn how to swim, wasn't it? It was really hard. I what just was difficult about it for you? He told me the technique. To, to get the, the correct to, technique. To get the correct technique. And one day Kevin told me, Maria, let's have a talk. I already taught you everything that is about swimming. And you're still not swimming. You're still not moving. So he thought he would never, I, he, he would never see me again. So I went home. Two days later, I showed up for my swimming session. And Kevin was very surprised and said, Maria, most people, when I have that talk with them, they never come back. But you, you came back. I do not know how long it's going to take me to teach you how to swim, but I will not give up on you until you do. One year later, I attempted to swim across the English Channel. I swam seven hours. And unfortunately, the... The tides, they were really strong. The currents, they were really strong. So they, I was not strong enough to beat the, the tides. So, so now I have unfinished business. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I am attempting to swim across the English Channel. You're going to do it again. Swimming and cold is my kryptonite. But I realized when I swam at, across the English Channel, that is the challenge that I have done that has inspired the most people. So you're determined to get it done this time. So I will do it this time. If I don't make it this time. I will keep on pushing and pushing until I do it. When are you planning to do it? Uh, in July, in four months' time. In July this year, we're going to be seeing you swimming across the English Channel again. <laughs> this is unbelievable. We're going to continue the conversation with Maria next and, and ask her how we can take some of that and apply it within our own lives. More to come on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We're back in conversation with Maria Concesal. And Maria, I want, want to ask you, throughout this entire journey, this incredible journey, you've changed the lives of so many kids, but how has it changed your life doing all of this? I started to change their lives, but there is them that they completely transformed my life. I would have never run, climbed, swam, cycled, or went back to university after 30 years being out of education if it wasn't for them. 
And I think sometimes I think I don't have the luxury of procrastinate like some people because they depend on me. (laughs) So you just, it, it made you even stronger than you already were. I didn't know I was this strong. They showed me. <laughs> and this is, I, I think this is kind of the starting point of what we can learn from you here. Um, because you've done some, some incredible things. And um, I kind of want to say that we can't even imagine doing. Uh, but that is really the point. That it's about imagining that you can actually do it. And believing that you can do it. How, how can we be... More like Maria. <laughs> How can we take you are from all, what you're doing? You are all like me already. You have it inside you. you How just, do we tap into it? You just it? have to wake up today <laughs> and find surround yourself with a team of specialists that they can help you achieve your dream. You have to set the date, set the goal, and start working daily. Every day you have to do something to help you achieve that goal. I normally, if I have a challenge, I surround myself with a, a specialist on a goal that I want to do, say mm. running. I surround myself with a very good coach in running. Yes. And then I surround with myself with a team. If I have uh, problems, like I always had knee problems since I started my challenges, I surround with myself with a clinic that is up and running, sports center here in UAE. And I ask them, okay, I have this problem with my knees, but I want to climb, I want to run, I want to do triathlons. Tell me how I can overcome this physical problems that you just I have. work through every whatever it is whatever issue you've got you don't let it get in your way exactly there is a way to to go through it exactly there is a way to come through that challenge uh wow i mean for anybody who's listening and thinking i can't run but i would like to run i can't climb a mountain but i'd like to climb a mountain it's not impossible you can actually do it you can do anything you set your mind into it and speaking of setting your mind to to more, you're not stopping. Uh, currently, you're actually studying as well. Tell us about that. You're <laughs> so continuing your own personal education, which is amazing, on top of everything else. <laughs> so I started the executive program at the Harvard Business School mm-hmm. in July last year, um, after 30 years of having quit school. It was challenging at the time, but uh, I digged deep. I got the scholarship, actually. I, did a, I do motivational speaking, and sometimes I'm invited for conferences. And I was invited by Harvard Business School to do a, a speaking event at the Dubai Summit. And after I f- finished my speaking event, they challenged me to apply to go to their university. I apply. and There is no way you're going to say I, no to a challenge. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm uh, one month away from finishing my course. Congratulations. That's amazing. That's incredible. Tell us about what's next for you now. Where are your sights set now? So for this year, because I always make goals one year, for this year, I would like to swim across the English Channel. I have uh, 20 students that are about to complete their education, and I'm hoping to send them to Europe or to UAE or to any part of the world to start university. And I have an exciting project coming up before Ramadan, I'm, br- I'm going to bring seven children to UAE to spend some two we- one week to two weeks holidays. So we're going to start the process from Bangladesh, all the, from way, Bangladesh to all the way to UAE. Amazing. There is actually, you were telling me off air the story of one young woman who you, because you're in, as we said, you're inspiring people everywhere. This one young woman who actually had cancer as well, but she was determined to run a marathon as well she was uh she sent me a message that her dream was to 
do a full marathon, but she had the limitations because she was she has a terminal ill disease and she was doing um, chemo and the doctors didn't support her. So I asked her, do you really, really want to do this? She said yes. So I introduced her to my virtual coach that lives in UAE, in UK. And they started a training program. One year later, she sends me a message, Maria, I just completed Berlin Marathon. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And tomorrow I'm going to go for my round of chemo. The day after the marathon, she went for chemo. <laughs> That's just, it is, wow. And if this young lady with a terminal ill disease doing chemo, she can fulfill her dream, what is... What is stopping any of the rest of us? Exactly. Listen up, people. If you have a goal, <laughs> Google me, find my email or my WhatsApp or my messenger, send me a message... And I trust me, in one year time, you will be achieving your goal, whatever what it is. Running, swimming, climbing, triathlons, or maybe it's a, an academic goal like mine. Or maybe it's being an artist, whatever what What's it is. What's your ultimate, ultimate, ultimate dream? My ultimate, ultimate dream it started 14 years ago to secure the education of these children. 100 family, 101 families, 600 children. I want to make sure that the future is secure. Like just any parent who is listening to this conversation, your ultimate goal from the moment your child is born is to ensure that that child is going to be okay. So that is my same goal and dream. You're living your ultimate dream, Maria. Mm -hmm. Maria, what an absolute pleasure it is to have you here on Life Beats sharing your incredible story. It's uh, it's this. I'm going to be listening back to this again. And I urge everybody to listen back to this over and over again. The days that you think you can't do it, uh, we need to be hearing your voice mm. telling us that we can. And those days is the days that you have to push and keep going. And keep going and keep doing it. Maria Constantin, what an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.